splits up everything. The St. Louis Blues have traded Captain Ryan O'Reilly, and to make matters worse, they've traded him to the Toronto Maple Leafs. While he thrives in his new home, we'll pick up the pieces of our broken heart together on this podcast. Then we'll move on to all the other rumors swirling around the St. Louis Blues, including links to Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin, and more. Plus, we'll discuss whether there's any actual credence to the rumors that the Blues might be able to trade either Colton Pareko or Tory Krug before the deadline. Could the Ottawa Senators or Vegas Golden Knights be desperate enough to make that mistake? Here's hoping. The Blues don't have a lot to look forward to, but the trade deadline is just a few weeks away. So let's get started and let's go Blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is Wednesday, February 22nd, the birthday of my mother, as I've mentioned twice already. And we are here uh, finally, finally united to discuss the Ryan O'Reilly trade and all things St. Louis Blues rebuild heading into the trade deadline. There's a lot of smoke, Ian. There's a lot of smoke. Oh, More I... smoke about the Blues, I would say, than any other team right now. I yeah. want the smoke. We want the smoke, much like the Street Profits and other people. Ian, you were in St. Louis. I was in St. Louis this weekend, but I was running around everywhere, and we didn't have time to record for O'Reilly, so that uh, was unfortunate, but here we are. That's our bad. Uh, That's our bad, everybody. Ian, launch into it. How are you feeling? How's things going for all the impeders? Um, you know, you know, life, life's happening. It's great. It's great here. There's a monsoon here earlier today. Then it cleared up as it does. You know, it doesn't always rain. Rain eventually does stop. That's how the weather works. Um, but it's nice. It's, it's pretty nice weather and all. Um, but on the, the outside, while nice now, my, my inside is in turmoil over what is happening to this team. Um, not really in turmoil. Like these, these are literally the exact things that we said the blue should do. So really it should be all thumbs up from us um, mm-hmm. with regards to who we're trading off and everything. But I think it's the the sort of aftermath of these trades. I thought, you know, you trade Tarasenko for a first round pick, you trade O'Reilly uh, for a first round pick, you toss a Chari in there, you get, get some other picks. And then you ride that wave, baby. You pretty much just ride that wave at the trade deadline. You probably trade Barbashev for some picks and, and you call it a trade deadline. And then, you know, we, we start to uh, lick our lips for a draft um, and maybe free agency, given what uh, cap space we might have. But, and we'll, I think we'll get to it towards the end here. There's a lot of rumors circulating about the Blues um, in terms of like, getting rid of some players that are not free agents this summer and acquiring players that uh, you wouldn't think the Blues would be going after at this point uh, in their their trajectory, if you will. So I think the trajectory um, might be a little bit in question. How do you feel about this? How, you, how What's your vibe? Uh, the vibe is interesting. I'm very, I mean, I'm happy with Ryan O'Reilly leaving obviously um very happy with the return which we'll come on to talk about here in a minute and i am i will say cautiously optimistic that the fans on twitter who want this rebuild to be over before the trade deadline basically Mm -hmm. are not actually in the room negotiating trades for the st louis blues and we'll come on i'm sure to talk about timo meyer and Jacob Chikrin and Colton Pareko and whatever else we want to talk about. And mm-hmm. um, God only knows, maybe the Blues make one, two, many more moves before the deadline. But um, I don't think, I, I'm not against some of them. We'll talk about them in turn. I really want to start with O'Reilly because right. that's what we failed to cover. But like, I'm not against everything, but the whole picture of urgency for the blues right now really strikes me as the wrong note. I mm-hmm. think, I think stepping back and reconsidering some things might be the right move right now. So, um, take a deep breath. Folks. 
Yeah. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about the O'Reilly trade itself. Uh, the Blues trade, Ryan O'Reilly, and lest he be forgotten, Nola Chari to the Toronto Maple Leafs by way of, or at least in O'Reilly's case, by way of the Minnesota Wild, retaining half of the half of his salary that we didn't retain, um, which I believe means we can't retain salary on Barbashev. I think you can only retain on two a season. Maybe it's three. Um, I think it's three. It might be three. Yeah. Um, but in any case, we send O'Reilly to the Maple Leafs and we get back their first round pick this year, their second round pick next year, and Ottawa's third round pick in 2023, along with Mikhail Ab- Abramov and Adam Gaudet. Um, I was really thrilled with this trade and I was pretty shocked to see that a lot of Blues players or Blues fans rather were not. Um, I mean, I think everyone was new that the O'Reilly pill would be hard to swallow as much as people love Tarasenko. And, and there were people who maybe were still, you know, on the hopium that he would stay here. I think everyone, pretty much everyone had adjusted to the idea that he was not going to be a blue forever. Um, I don't think that that was true of O'Reilly. I think a lot of people hoped we would resign him. Quite frankly, I still do more or less hope that we resign him um, Mm -hmm. as we've talked about before, but like, um, that combined with the, you know, um, midnight content drop nature of this tra- trade, I think had a lot of people shocked. And there were definitely some takes that Kyle Dubas uh, fleeced us. I'm a, more of the mindset that Kyle Dubas uh, really overpaid. I mean, he paid four picks to get Ryan O'Reilly. It's worked out great so far. So credit mm-hmm. to Ryan O'Reilly for looking great in a Maple Leaf sweater, which I hate to say, but um you know, it's it definitely it definitely rang of desperation for Dubas, who's a GM that pretty obviously won't have a job next season if he can't get into the second round of the playoffs this year. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think it works for both time, teams. It makes sense for both teams. I certainly don't think if you're out there thinking that the Blues should have gotten more, I don't think you had very reasonable expectations. We got a first round pick, and we got two more picks, two more top three round picks on on top of that i mean i think that's a huge return uh relatively speaking where are you at on uh on the trade and the return itself yeah i mean i like the return a lot like you can obviously say oh well you want um impact prospects or something like that but i think you were either getting you're either getting a lot of picks and some high round picks and just some ho-hum players that they needed to move in terms of like how many contracts each team can have um, or you were going to get like Matthew Nyes, but then you're getting like a third round pick or, or, a you know, or possibly even a second round pick for next year. kind of like we got, and that's sort of it. I don't think you could really expect a first and a second and the third and Matthew Nyes or whatever from the Maple Leafs. You can hope you can cross your fingers, but I don't think that was ever going to happen. So for me, I'd much rather have the picks than any of the prospects that the Maple Leafs have. Like Nyes looks great. Have some other guys in there look pretty good, but it's like I'd I'd just much rather in this pretty deep draft have the picks. Um, even if you want to be able to package them for something else down the road, I just like the as Doug Armstrong will say in some of these quotes, the equity of having this many first round picks in this draft, I think is is a really good idea. Um, so I like the trade a lot. In fact, it was kind of funny though, because when I saw this alert come across my phone, um, I was driving and I looked at my phone, don't do that anyone ever (laughs) but i was at a stoplight so really i had stopped and then you know then i should have gone because it was green for like five seconds but um i was looking at my phone and it was just like you know the little the little header because i hadn't unlocked it yet and it was just like oh blues get and it just names the players first like abramov and got that and i'm like the fuck like what and then it was like and three picks i'm like and i was scrambling to open my phone like these better some this better be a first i swear to god doug if one of these isn't a first um and i mean yeah the picks the picks are what matter to me and again for the the maple leafs i think it's a a big swing for them and like you said they kind of have to do sort of has to do this when he's on the last year of his contract he's got to make a big impact play I think this is probably actually really the best they could do this year, honestly. Like there's Timo Meyer, there's Jacob Chickren if you really want to mess around on your on your back end. But like I think for them having the 
flexibility to play O'Reilly as their second line center and move John Tavares to the wing because John Tavares uh, can't skate anymore. Or, or if you want to put John Tavares at center still and then put O'Reilly on the third line or vice versa, and you have kind of like a three-headed monster, you know, playmaking-wise, defensive-wise, like I think that's really good for them, and especially like a, a guy who's won the cup recently and still has a lot to give, like we saw last night with his, his hat trick. Um, I think it's a really good move for them. They're still the Maple Leafs, so I'm still never going to believe that they're going to beat a team in the first round. And Ryan O'Reilly certainly isn't like the dynamic player that's just like changes your franchise or whatever, but it definitely makes them a a more well-rounded team. A tougher um, out, you might yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, definitely a tougher out. I do wonder what this means for Tampa because it's essentially where the way the standings are and the way you know the playoffs are set up. Tampa and Toronto are pretty much guaranteed to meet in the first round. And so they they can already size each other up. Like you can pretty much just look straight at Toronto in the eye and be like, okay, you've got O'Reilly and you know you're playing us. So what do we need to do essentially uh, to up our game? I mean, they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. You, they've already won two cups two years in a row. They're an amazing team. They've still got a great core, but you do wonder if they try and go out and get like, I don't even know if it's possible or why they would need it, but like a Timo Meyer or something like that, where it's just like, okay, dang, dude, it's like an arms race now. Like that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what they do, but yeah, from a blues perspective, I think this was great. I think this was like as good as you could have hoped for, I think realistically. Yeah, I think I more or less agree with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, moving on from the actual return, uh, I think we can start to look at what this means going forward, but we should probably also talk about the actual Armstrong presser quotes because that kind of lays the groundwork for most of what we have to talk about the rest of the episode. Um, As you mentioned, he said the equity in the NHL is to have first round picks. We now have three. I wish I had a crystal ball where I could tell everyone how this is going to work out, but I don't. We could use all three of those picks to select players, and then all three of those players will then get put into our development process and then our American League team, and then be in the NHL at some point and have long careers, or they might be gone before their names are ever called. I don't know how it's going to play itself out. One thing I do know that we are going to do, it though, is uh, if we move picks or players, it's not going to be for one-year players. We need to retrench with players in their 25 and 26. Uh, He's talking about ages. Um, And under that, under that that have term on their contract so they can grow with that next core of players that we have this year we haven't been able to find ground zero good teams don't fluctuate the way we fluctuate win three lose eight win seven lose five win three what that indicates to me is a team that doesn't have a foundation something to fall back on quickly when things are going bad when things went bad we allowed that snowball to gain momentum going down the hill now as a manager what i'm going to do is look down lock look look down and see what players are buying in i know what winning looks like and i also know what quitting looks like and that's what i'm going to be watching on which way we go uh as you just wrote in here q3 straight losses after this quote feels like every time Armstrong makes one of these quotes it ends badly uh i have nameplates that i put up on our board and i never throw them away i never say never to a player returning but there are no guarantees this is talking about o'reilly uh when someone leaves they may fall in love with their new city they may fall in love with the city they may fall in love with their new team so there are no guarantees but i certainly don't look at something like parting ways as something that's final i mean see Uh, david perron yeah i was gonna literally say that exact thing cue david perron's music Uh, The leadership isn't going to be what they say. It's going to be how they play and how they act out on the ice. Talking about the players, Dave Taylor has a great line when someone says, that guy's really good in the room. He says, well, tell me when they start flooding the room. Huh? Oh, is that like champagne? I don't know. No, it means like when they start like putting the ice in the room for you to like play in the room. Like if you're good in the room, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I just care about what they do on the ice and that's what I want to see their leadership come through. I like that idea. Like, tell me when they start flooding the room. He's like, I don't care about these guys. Kill them. That's right. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) What he then goes on to say, what trading these players doesn't do is make Snuggerud more mature today. It doesn't make Bolduck more mature today. Doesn't make them any more ready to come in. Doesn't take Jake Neighbors to a first line left winger today. They're going to mature at their own rate. My job is not to ruin their careers by putting them in positions to fail. 
The morale right now from veteran players, I'm sure, is disappointment. The morale by ownership right now is disappointment. The morale right now from the general manager is disappointment. Uh, Offense is God-given and defense is a system. All players can defend. It's the desire to defend that separates them. That's interesting. I mean, that's one of the more deeper strategic or mindset quotes that we've really ever seen him give. Um, There's some truth to that. I don't think it's entirely true, but there's some truth. Um, Finally, he was asked, what do you tell the fans? He said, well, A, I think that I thank them for their support for the last decade. I think the casual fan, the ones that come when the team is winning and don't come when the team is losing, aren't going to change. And the hardcore fans, they understand the ebbs and flows of pro sport, that your window is so long and that you have to retrench. He's sticking with retrench, folks. He loves it. The team that I look to and would like to emulate right now or even be quicker is L.A. I saw the way Detroit, New Jersey, and Buffalo did it. That's five, six, seven years. L.A. did it very quickly, and I'd like to do it very quickly. Um, It's interesting. I don't know if you ended up looking back at L.A.'s rebuild later on, Mm -hmm. um, but the LA rebuild was quick, but it was still several years, <laughs> you know, I think right. that they were, there's a, I guess they were relevant for most of that time, but there were definitely a several year period where they weren't clearly weren't top contenders. You know, I was trying to figure out because they made the playoffs last year and kind of, and had a, went to game seven with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so like, I mean, they, they pushed them that far. But prior to that, they hadn't made the playoffs, I don't even know, since like 2016, 2017. Like, it had been a while. And the other thing is, too, I don't know that the LA Kings thought they were going to get back to where they are right now as fast as they have. Like, I don't necessarily know that that was the plan. Um, I think they drafted really well, and they had some fortuitous, like, UFA signings, like, I don't know that I would have expected them to get um, oh God, what's his name? The guy they got off Montreal is their wing or their center now. Oh uh, no. Oh um uh Deneau, Philip Deneau. Deneau. I keep wanting to say like Donato. I'm like, that's not it. Yeah. Philip Deneau, then getting Kevin Fiala this summer, even getting Victor Arvidsson a couple of years ago, who was like a king in Nashville for a while. Like they really got some pretty decent players. Uh, and then there was the other guy they got from, I'm never going to remember his name either, from Toronto that turned out to be pretty good for them too. It was just like a, just some dude there. Um, but like they've, I don't want to say they're completely lucky in that regard, but like, I don't necessarily know that I thought Minnesota wasn't going to be able to keep Kevin Fiala until they bought out the Prize and Suter contracts. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can't keep them by um and it's like oh shit we're in the middle of this rebuild we're kind of on the upswing let's grab them you know um same with Dano. it's like i i don't know if that's going to happen for the blues you know that might happen there might be some ufas that hit the market that you just don't think the blues are going to be able to get and they do um but i think the bigger deal is that la drafted really well for like two or three years like they have a really deep prospect pool i mean they have quentin byfield they have a second overall pick Mm-hmm. um from a couple of years ago so they have a, a cover board of like young really good players but then they also have like who do they have to learn from drew dowdy who maybe not be quite the same as he was before but still a very good player and anze kopitar like you have some real studs that are still on that team i think the blues kind of lack that they have some young talent they've got thomas and kairu and bushnevich and stuff but like you don't have those wily veterans that are also still like really good that you can kind of like build around necessarily. So I get what Doug is saying where like he wants to move faster than some of these teams that went to like deep dark rebuilds. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is I wonder, I don't know. I have a hard time reading Stillman. I feel like Stillman is not the most active owner. Um, but I wonder if this retool, retrench, rebuild, re-whatever that Doug's about to attempt to do is like his last kick at it. Cause I gotta mm-hmm. feel like if this doesn't work, if they try and retrench in two to three years and it's like, oh no, are they gonna keep him around for a full rebuild? Is he even gonna wanna stay around for yeah. like a long rebuild? Mm-hmm. Like that's a guy to me that. I love him, but he's also like in a couple of years, his contract will be up. 
And it's sort of like, well, I won my cup here. You know, I already did, I accomplished what I needed to. I don't need to then sit here for another four or five, six years and watch this team slowly build back up again and do everything I just did. Like I'll go try something else. And he'll certainly like have the, the, I don't want to say an equity because he said equity. He'll, he'll have the, uh, my God, equity. Sure. Uh, <laughs> to go wherever he wants in the league. Um, capital, the capital. So much, so many, you know, down payments, mm-hmm. taxes. Um, yeah, I just wonder because I just feel like this is sort of, I don't know, feels a little like a Hail Mary to me, doesn't it? Where he's like, we're just going to retrench. We're just going to flip this thing over real quick. And it's like, what's the plan there? How do you yeah. how do you plan on doing that, sir? And he totally could. And they have some really good pieces still on this team. So it's not like they need to just tear it all down. I think we've been saying that all year, but like I'm, I'm at a loss for what he's going to do which is kind of exciting, right? Like, I just don't know what it's going to be, but that's also a little scary because there's no, like, obvious clear path for this team to get back to being successful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk about what some people think those paths are here in a minute, but, like, to me, it's definitely a situation where um, you can you can plan to have everything go right and – you can plan to do a very quick rebuild, but there are definitely some pieces that you maybe can't control as easily that like have to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, for example, and we'll talk about this more in a bit, but like trading a defensive contract or two is like non-negotiable. This team cannot be competitive again if they're spending $25 million on a really bad defense. And I know people say, well, the cap goes up, but the problem is the bodies are still there and the cap doesn't go up that much. You know, we've got the second most expensive or we had, we probably have the most expensive now that Scandella is back defense mm-hmm. in the league. Um, which by the way, is a huge fucking concern that Scandella is back. I had just convinced myself <laughs> he'd be on LTIR for the rest of his time here. Now that he's back, that's fucking terrifying. Um, I'm like, I'm not even like, even he could be better than most of our defenders this year that wouldn't even be that surprising but his money is bad right now we are number one in the league spending 29.295 million on our defense that is 37.8 percent of our salary cap and our team is 37 excuse me it's 37.8 percent of the money we are currently spending i should correct that because our forward salaries have taken a pretty significant hit obviously <laughs> over the last couple of weeks but um that's fucking terrible it's but it's fucking really bad that's you're spending that much on defense you're spending 7.25 million on goalies and our goalies fucking suck and i know people been lie you know been prone to defend jordan bennington this season i if you are out there and believe that jordan bennington is the goalie that can win this team another cup god bless you sir but you are and me are not the same you know <laughs> like i don't i don't have a real issue with jordan bennington being like a, a middling goaltender like a fine goaltender if the defense is good but like being you know being the goaltender that puts us over the top if there are other flaws on the team i don't think that's a possibility um so you're looking at goalie and defense, which are just completely broken. And then when you look at our offense, it's nowhere fucking close. It's nowhere fucking close to being good. It's got Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich and, and Jordan Kyra. There's one line. There's one line of good players. Braden Shin is fine. I mean, there's some other pieces that you would have on a good contending team, but we gutted it. We got rid of two of our most important defensive offensive players and I'll I'll tell you right now, if this team was exactly the same next season, but we had Timo Meyer and Jacob Chikrin, I don't believe for a damn second we're a playoff team. So like the people who think that just fixes it, I don't understand them at all. So that's kind of where I stand right now. I don't know. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah, I was like, that's a hard sell. Um, you know, let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about Timo Meyer is you brought up Timo Meyer, and that was like all the news uh, yesterday. There's rumors swirled yesterday that the Blues might be looking to acquire Timo Meyer from the San Jose Sharks. 
Uh, this rumor came from the mouth of 45 year old. He's actually a uh, 34. Uh, Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff. Frank, uh, I implore you to um, do some yoga, take some deep breaths, maybe go to yeah. bed a little bit earlier. Uh, something Hair to dye make it... also exists. I'm <laughs> yeah. just throwing it out there. <laughs> I don't even mind. I don't even mind the silver fox look, but I'm like you, sir. Even with like darkened hair, I think still look like you're 45. Yeah. But you know, I'm just I'm just trying to help you, Frank. It's fine that you. It's fine. No hate. It just it always takes me aback sometimes. I'm like, oh dang, you're like our age. Okay. Um, but yeah, he basically had a rumor. Big. <laughs> but, you know, no offense, Frank, but here we go on your rumor. Um, this rumor came uh, earlier yesterday, yeah, yesterday morning. He said, I'm told the Blues did inquire with the Sharks earlier this week about Timo Meyer after executing the trades with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. He said, this shouldn't be a shock. This is exactly what the Blues general manager, Doug Armstrong, has done in his playbook previously. Think back to the trades he's done in recent years. Kevin Shattenkirk for a first-round pick. He then takes that pick and uses it to acquire Brayden Shen in the summer. More recently than that, Paul Stasny moved at the deadline for a first-round pick, then he took that pick in a package to get Ryan O'Reilly. He said, now you fast-forward. Tarasenko and O'Reilly both fetch first-round picks, and the Blues now have three first-round picks this year. My guess is that the Blues will now leverage those first-round picks and maybe even keep their own first-round pick to try and bring someone like Timo Meyer into the fold who can then play with Jordan Kyrou, Robert Thomas, and Braden Chen and be part of the Blues core moving forward with a long-term extension. So we know the Hurricane are very interested. We know the Devils are very interested, but I think this race has really heated up in a big way. He said he, uh, he thinks that the Blues, or he thinks that what the Blues have to recognize here, that there may be only one crack to get a player like Meyer, and this may be the only opportunity. I think a team like New Jersey would try and lock Meyer up long-term, so there's others that want to get their hands on him. And I think where it's important is when you look forward to the NHL's free agent market this summer. It's not teaming with prospects to really come in and be a difference maker on your team. And so this may be the one and only opportunity for the St. Louis Blues to take those picks and leverage them to turn this from potentially O'Reilly and Tarasenko into Meyer. I don't know. It just seems like it makes a whole lot of sense to me. So I get it. I, I, I get it from a, a what do the Sharks want? They want picks. They want draft capital. And we have that. They're in a deep dark rebuild what do we want we need some we need someone to replace um essentially tarasenko because he's a winger um so you go out and you get timo meyer and it's like okay that makes some sense and, that, and he's a good player he's definitely a very good player but i just don't know that i want to leverage those picks for Timo Meyer, who you would then obviously sign to like an extension this summer because he's RFA this summer, owed a $10 million qualifying offer. You probably extend them for seven, eight years for probably eight and a half to like $9 million probably you're looking at, mm-hmm. I would think for him, um, which they can do because they got 12 million, 12 million in cap space, um, projected cap space for next year. But that does kind of cap strap you, right? If that's your only move, I think that's sort of my problem with the Timo Meyer thing is like lots of, lots of fans on Twitter or whatever will say, well, that's not our only move. We do other stuff. I'm like, yeah, but the other stuff has to be getting rid of cap in order for you to do anything else. You're going to have to get rid of Colton Preco, Tory Krug, somebody on the back end that's making six and a half million dollars to free up cap space and then go do whatever the heck else you want to do. Cause I definitely agree that if you go out and you get Timo Meyer, we'll say only for right now, that's a better team. He's a good two-way player. But how far off are we from the playoffs right now? We're like 10 points back, 12 points back, something like that. I don't know that you get Timo Meyer and you just bridge that gap that way um, without any other changes. I'm sure there'll be other changes. I get it. But when you're talking at a glance at like, what does Timo Meyer do for this team? He certainly makes it better. But do I want to exchange picks for Timo Meyer, who now eats up a bunch of cap space. And then we're just kind of stuck with like one, we're one player better. And granted we're one player better um, in the sense of like now, right? We're one player better than we are now, but are we even one player better than we were two weeks ago 
when we had O'Reilly and we had Tarasenko, like I like Meyer better than Tarasenko at this point in their careers and everything. But you got to remember, we've lost O'Reilly, we've lost Tarasenko, we lost David Perron, who you, we can't even write off as not replacing. You can't say, oh, well, that was last summer, you know, that we've got to move on. You didn't replace them. You have Josh Levo, you have Tyler Pitlick, you had Nolachari actually probably quote unquote replacing Perron production wise in the sense that he at least scored, but he wasn't even doing that either. So like you've, you're down in O'Reilly, you're down at Tarasenko, you're down, you're down at David Perron in terms of like bolstering your top six, like, okay, so now you have Timo Meyer. You've, you've checked a box. We've David Perron's replacement is here, everyone, a year late. And you're down two more forwards. I was looking at, like, um, I think her name's, like, Shana Goldman for, like, uh, The Athletic. And she'll write, mm-hmm. I think she writes for, like, just, like, NHL overall. And she has, like, those scorecards that are basically, like, here's all the things a Stanley Cup contender needs, generally speaking, um, as a team. And it's, like, an elite center, elite winger, elite defenseman elite goaltender and that kind of goes down the list to like top line center top line wingers you know top four defensemen stuff like that and we have so few of any of those things right now and that was with O'Reilly and Tarasenko on that scorecard <laughs> earlier this year and neither of them were even projected to I think our projections are actually better than what they turned out to be this year like everyone is below average, if not, does not fill the role that they're slotted into. So you bring in Timo Meyer, maybe he's an elite winger. He's at least a top line winger, but where's like everything else? And you just spent your picks on that. So they're not coming and you just spent all your cap space on that. So you're not adding anything bigger anymore. Like our UFAs are who? Like Ivan Barbashev? Mm-hmm. And how much does he make right now? He makes 2.25. Yeah. 2.25. And we get like Sammy Blay is gone. Like... Matthew Highmore, Josh Levo. Man, you're freeing up maybe $2 million. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess yeah, and, it's and... fun on the surface. I like Timo Meyer. I just don't know how that fits. And by, and by the way, if you get Timo Meyer, say goodbye to reuniting with O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. Like... That's out the door. Like this, and this is the fucking problem. Like, listen, I love Timo Meyer. He's a phenomenal player. He's incredibly good. Go get him. If you if you can get him, this is your chance to strike while the iron is hot. Go get him. But I don't, I don't really even buy into the grow with this core thing because he's older than the core. Him and like this is another. And I know we don't want to talk about this reality, but Pavel Buchnevich is twenty seven. He's got two years left on his deal after this. That's not, he's not part of the same age group as Cairo and Thomas, in my opinion, really. You know, Cairo and Thomas are about to kick off eight year deals next year. They're not even going to be 25 yet. That's a completely different conversation than a guy you're signing to start an eight year contract when he's 27, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they could all, they could all have eight year contracts together and that would be great. But then also, and you kind of alluded to this, you better fucking hope it works. Cause if you've got those three guys locked up to simultaneous eight year deals that all expire and whatever that would be 20, 30, 31, which mm-hmm. would be the case if you signed all three of them, if that doesn't work, you're fucked. Then you are absolutely <laughs> you know like because that's that is your offense that is the stars that you have hitched your wagon to and the and the cat might go up maybe you get you know maybe you get lucky and get a really top pick and you can throw a let's just say an adam fantilli into that mix or or leo carlson and and that's a great four to have at the start of you know have at the top of your roster but is it a complete cup winning cup challenging team i'm not convinced about that and this i mean and we've talked about it at nauseum but like the contracts you have if you cannot get rid of two or three of them you cannot rebuild this team quickly it's just not possible you cannot rebuild this team quickly with colton pareko still here he's not good enough to be your top defenseman and you're paying him too much for too long for him to be anything else it is a complete non-starter he cannot function on a working blues team i'm i I, people can call me crazy or extremist but like 
I don't know. I don't see any way around that. He's not good enough. He's making too much money. He's making it for too damn long. He's already old and injury prone. Mm-hmm. If you know, and and there are rumors. We'll talk about Ottawa in a minute. I guess we can talk about it now. There's there's rumors that he's been linked to Ottawa, mm-hmm. and um, they then you know surprisingly, arguably surprisingly, traded assets to get rid of the Nikita Zaitsev contract. Um, tonight to the Blackhawks so you know there that sparked all sorts of rumors that uh, Pareko to Ottawa might happen now listen I don't fucking know why Pareko would approve a move to Ottawa which he has to do because Doug can't give Alex Petrangelo a no movement clause hands out no trade clauses like they're fucking candy (laughs) at the carnival but um, I mean if that if that if that is at all a possibility, that's your number one priority before the deadline. Not Timo Meyer, not Jacob Chekrin, not Connor Bedard. <laughs> you know, that is your number one priority. It, and then there were also rumors today. I don't know how substantial they were linking us to Lincoln Tory crew. Wasn't that from Friedman who did that? Who mentioned yeah. crew to Vegas, which is also just fucking nuts. Like, but again absolutely friggin' do it if it's an option like if you if you come to me and say steven by the draft colton pareko and tory krueger off this team then i'm like all right then it's a completely different conversation that's what i said different totally ball game. different ball game uh and we we i don't even know what that looks like like i don't even have the processing power in my brain to figure that out and then you can you know keep scandal or trade him you know to somebody to just eat that year of his deal and then you've got your defense by the way isn't good at that point but at least <laughs> it's just clean and you can start right. over you know like um i just don't think there's and then even if you did that you'd still have the shin falk and bennington contracts which are all i would say just straight up bad you know um and that is still rough, but at least you can negotiate those three. Shin is a contributing player who's arguably just making a little too much for a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Bennington is what he is. Um, Saad's contract is a little too long too, but, you know, he's a player that you might be able to move. I don't know. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, if you can if you can clear those spots and somehow get rid of those guys then obviously it's a very, very, very different conversation. But I just don't see it. Like uh, Pierre Dorian does some silly Billy things <laughs> and maybe they've really convinced themselves that Pareko is the the anchor they need alongside Thomas Shabbat and, and whoever else they have up there to, um, you know, really be their, their centerpiece there. They have... Um, Jacob Bernard Docker and Eric Brandstrom, Thomas Shabbat, but all of those guys are righties is the other thing. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just don't see how that makes sense, but maybe, maybe it does. I don't know if they want to give up, if they want to give us like a, like an Eric Brandstrom or somebody for Colton Pareko, I would laugh all the way to the bank (laughs) and cry and shit myself. (laughs) But um, I don't even like, I don't even hate Colton Pareko. I, we're probably too hard on him. He could be a fine defenseman in the NHL. He's just not a number one defenseman. And that contract is bad. And yeah, um, like he's a fine, he's a fine second pairing guy on like an, an all right team. Maybe if you're on a team that's like stacked defensively, say like, the 2019 St. Louis Blues when they won the cup and all like he looked great there but I think he's definitely exposed when he has to eat as many minutes as he does um and it's just I mean he looked like he had a goal last night that he was out there for that he gave up the puck and he was like a freaking pile he was literally a pylon he turned into a freaking orange cone he just got walked around and it's just I gotta believe that Armstrong like sees what we're seeing and like knows what we know. I don't, oh, he don't think I'm any smarter than him. Are. He's obviously trying to get rid of like the fact that there's any smoke and these names are out there at all 
is him trying to get rid of these guys, like for sure, which makes me think that at some point, I don't know, I guess I should say at some point he is going to, but it just makes it feel a little more likely because I just don't think you go, we need to get rid of these guys to free up money to then retool this team. And then like, you know, the trade deadline goes by and you go, ah, we couldn't do it. So I guess we'll just keep them forever. Like, I think then come summertime, you're going to hear their names. Like if they're still here, like, I think you're going to hear their names come up a lot um, between now and the draft, essentially. Like they're just going to be trying, he's going to be trying his hardest to move at least one of them. Um, I mean, you could throw Fock in that mix, but again, as much as hard as, Bach has looked sometimes too. I think he can also be a pretty good defenseman out there. You kind of take it or leave it sort of thing with him. So like, to me, it feels like, and he's a righty. You don't really want to give those up unless, you know, you have to. Um, (laughs) But I think Krug being injury prone and obviously being a black hole defensively, if you can move him at all, like you got to do it. You got to, he, Armstrong sees what he's done and he knows that he's got to like fix this, fix that first if he wants to fix this team at all. Um, and I think it, it has to be that way. I think we've kind of illustrated that, like, if you want to retool quickly, I don't think you can do that with those three fat – Nick Letty is back there, Marco Scandella for, you know, another year, two more years, whatever it is. Like, those are just – that's a lot of money and a lot of term for a defensive forward that is not good. I mean – it's and then that's to say nothing of what we talked about earlier, where it's like you then need a forward core. Like I've seen people that just put Timo Meyer in there and they go, "This is pretty good," and it's Timo Meyer with no other changes. And I know people are saying there will be other changes, but whatever. But someone had like Sammy Blay on the second line. They're like, "This is a better, this is a good looking team." And I was like, "This is already extremely problematic. <laughs> like, like this is already terrible." Um, and again, like I. I should say I don't want to be like a downer on it or anything because I we just don't know what's going to happen. But I like you were saying off the top, if people think that this retool is going to be done come the you know this time on March third in like nine days, I think you're completely wrong. Like there's just they're not going to get a player or two players or three players at the deadline and be like you know what we're pretty set up for next year. Like it's just not going to happen. That's not. That's not how anyone does business. That's not how anything works. <laughs> but um, I'm still excited though, because I think hearing that Doug Armstrong is looking to try and do things quickly and 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 looking at all these different options, like it does fill me with like excitement because it's like, ooh, for the longest time we've been on this path of having to trade O'Reilly and trade Tarasenko. We were on that path like two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and now we're finally here. We have that cap space freed up. We have picks for it and everything and if they pick three players with that and they don't do anything with those picks which i highly doubt i think doug armstrong is almost guaranteed to trade away one of them for something but like even if he doesn't he even has all three of those yeah yeah like i think it'd be awesome to pick three times in the first round i i don't like cheering for the blues to lose but they've lost three in a row they oh, play I'm vancouver happy. i'm happy to do it for the rest of the season <laughs> They play Vancouver tomorrow. It's Battle of Basement Dwellers. Like they gotta just, lose that one. You gotta lose it. You if you're Doug Armstrong, trade, you know, you trade Colt Breaker and people are like, well, what you know, who's gonna play now? Um, I don't know. Call like Callie Rosen plays all those minutes now. Is he gonna get exposed? Yes, he is. Are they gonna lose because of it? Yes, they are. Like, and that's by design, baby. Like, if you can if you I have to keep myself from thinking about this. It's like when you're laying in bed and you start thinking about all the things you do if you won the lottery and then you kind of like return to your body after 10 minutes and you're like, okay, but time to go to bed because I don't have that money. Like if they get rid of one of these contracts, one of these defensive contracts, they go out and they get some sort of impact forward, let's say, or whatever. Um, Even let's say they go out and get like Chikrin and then they get like freaking Adam Fantilli Connor Bedard, whatever, get into the top three. I'm like, oh, baby. Mm-hmm. Now we're cooking. Now Doug's That's cooking. Totally different conversation. The other part of this, too, is like if 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 there's actually demand for and interest in Krug and Pareko, and it's not a situation where we're like 
giving up picks to get rid of them. And I don't care if we get, uh, like, we're not going to get a first for Colton Pareko, but like, if we got uh, even like a crappy prospect instead of paying to get rid of him, that's a totally different situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously. Um, But I think that the Timo Meyer rumors sort of make sense in a vacuum. Like, is that a good player? Yes. Is he kind of young? Yes. Is he controlled? Yes. But that also means he makes sense for literally every other team (laughs) in the NHL. So like the link is, is tenuous. I would say not that the blues wouldn't be in on it, but like, yeah. And like some folks are reporting to it. And I guess it kind of goes without saying, but like, being in the Western Conference and being like a rival of the Sharks, then teams like the Blues or like the Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg Jets, who Meyer's been linked to, are potentially going to have to pay more to get him than say a New Jersey or yeah. um, uh, whoever that house out in Tampa Bay, whatever. Like they're going to have to they're going to have to pony up a little bit more. And I just feel like, well, I guess the Islanders are probably going to be out of it because Barzell got hurt. But in this like three had a demon race that is like the new greater New York area. Um, you have the Islanders that went out and they got Horvat. You have the Rangers that went out and got Tarasenko. Like you got to think New Jersey's would be pushing like crazy hard for Timo Meyer unless like the Sharks smell desperation and they're like, Hey, we need like two firsts. And we also need like your, we also need Luke Hughes or whatever, you know, I just, I find it hard to believe that we're going to be able to out offer what a team, a desperate team that's in the playoff hunt is going to offer. Um, but again, it'd be cool. And if we trade for him, I'll be excited because I do think there's probably more coming. It's just, again, like you said, in a vacuum, it's, or like when you look at it outside of a vacuum, it's doesn't really fit the model of what I think the blue should probably do. But I mean, they're, I'm just looking at their scores from these last games. They're stinky, baby. <laughs> they've outscored 15 to four mm-hmm. in their last three games um yeah, i mean we've done the two the studs part of the rebuild real well uh for at least <laughs> this season. oh yeah no this is like they, this is a good job i feel i do feel for the players in this team that are like better or are good or elite i feel for Cairo and thomas and bushnevich uh, and these guys where i'm like hey man like i know you're like high end and you're very competitive and this sucks for you and hopefully Doug and company will talk you guys through this, you know, come summertime or, you know, end of the season and all that. But like, I, I think at a certain point, you must got to say this is part of it. It sucks. I do wonder, um, I don't know where I heard it. It was on a podcast or on 101 or something, but like, you do have to wonder about like the mentality of basically like, okay, you, your GM stripped your team. You're hearing like that the barbershop is going to be traded to and all that. And now you have to play like 25 more games. Like, are you real? Like you should as a professional, like still try and, you know, really give it your all and stuff, you know, cause Doug's assessing you, but like, as a human being, are you really going to take that like extra hit to make a play knowing that your GM was like, you guys fucking blow <laughs> and then ripped your yeah. team apart. And you're like, you know what, Doug, I'm, I'm going to do this for you, Doug. Or are you just going to let up maybe and be like, eh, I'm not going to the corner. And then you lose, and you know it for the picks for the for the first round pick. Uh, I say go for it. I say keep on, keep on losing. I was trying to look at their schedule here, see if it gets any better. Vancouver tomorrow, Pittsburgh on Saturday, Seattle on Tuesday, and then I think, oh baby, Thursday, day before the trade deadline. Guess where we're at? Nine thirty start. We're in san jose just just bring just walk them over just skate to the other bench team or just just beat the brakes off of us listen to this (laughs) starting lineup last night tyler pitlick who played 16 minutes brain shin alexi torchenko 18 minutes matthew highmore josh levo 16 minutes robert thomas jordan Cairo, nathan walker ivan barbashev Nikita Alexandrov and Sammy Blay. The last name is really the kicker that makes that just fucking hilarious. Like if I told you at the start of the year that that would have been a starting roster on our season this year, you would have been so confused. 
uh, I heard too, I think was that last game. Um, I think Ruby benched some guys. Probably, I think he benched some of the higher the higher up lines because they were like your dog in it. So that's why you got 16-minute Tyler Pitlick in there. Um, it's going to be rough. The only thing I've ever wanted, honestly, is 16 minutes of Tyler Pitlick a night. I'll tell you, folks, it's going to be a fun next like nine days. And then after the trade deadline, it there's a soccer team and they will start playing this weekend. I highly suggest you just watch them uh after march 3rd because there's no more there's no more fun to be had until you know the trade or until the the draft and july 1st after the trade deadline for the blues you can root you can root for them to lose some more for that draft pick hey baby but like they're not there's nothing to assess that's so much sucks about um jake neighbors getting hurt too is i was like well okay at least you have like one young guy an actual um, prospect that you're like let's see you know he's going to be playing more minutes let's see what he has and he gets hurt and you're just like oh. yeah. <laughs> i don't need to see matthew highmore play i nikita alexandrov i guess that maybe that's your next guy like let's see if we put you on the third line or something but no offense mm-hmm. nikita you're not really like i'm not like oh shit let's see this dude light it up yeah. um yeah it's it's that's too bad the, that's the other thing that doesn't make sense about timo meyer really getting him right now is like we don't want to be good the rest of the season. Like, mm-hmm. I guess if we trade our pick, which I think is the one, obviously, I mean, for obvious reasons, Doug will probably fight the hardest to protect. But like, why, why would you get a guy that makes us better right now? If right. you, unless you feel like you just absolutely, he's indispensable. You look at where we are in the standings, we're 25th right now. So we're eight spots outside of, you know, last. Um, but I really think everyone up until like 29th is reachable, arguably. Like it's going to take some doing. This is such a weird way to talk about sports, <laughs> by the way. It's going to take some losing, but I really think we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. I mean, I know it, I get people always like, I don't want to root against the Blues and yada, yada. But it's like, this is... Maybe. I get it's it. Not- if that's not fun for you, I get it. Because you're like, I don't want to have the not fun. I get it. But this for me is fun so i enjoy it like also like they fucking quit on you that's how they got into this situation i don't even really like the oh this team quit on us language but like they kind of did them fucking very good you know Mm. so like maybe we fucking don't have to make excuses for them i I think i think you're right 29th right now is san jose with 47 points blizzard 25th with 55 points I think it's conceivable, it's possible the Blues could finish like 29th. And yeah, like Chicago's 30th with 43 and then Columbus Anaheim tied with 41. Yeah, you're right. I don't know that we could ever be so bad as to crack the bottom three. But like the lower you get, the better your odds are of drafting in the top three anyways through the lottery. So really, you know, finish eighth, finish fourth. I just want you as low as you can go to get those picks. I mean... It's the, I think the thing you got to remember when people are, are like, well, you know, you draft, your draft picks aren't going to be making a big impact, you know, for a while. But if you get top three this year, they conceivably play next year. I mean, especially Bedard, but like the other two, the other two or three even. And one or two years down the road when you should be better, they're one or two more years experienced. And you don't have this, like, this rookie 18 year old that just joined the nhl he's like already setting the world on fire you know year three or four hopefully so it's like if you can get one of those guys sure they're not going to be your savior next year necessarily but like you've set yourself up like hardcore for the future like as best as you can really so what i mean lose that <laughs> just just do it um because that's all we got that's all we got anymore Yep, we've only got the sads. No more tears, only dream now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we have more to talk about. I mean, we could talk about Jacob Chikrin, I guess. That one doesn't make a lot of sense to me because... I just don't think so. A, 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 at least with like... With um, uh, Meyer, you get immediate... You get to immediately set the terms of a contract with Chikrin. You get two years... 
more and then have to decide Andy's a UFA. So it's just like, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the Meyer connection, if, if we were going to go out and get a player before the deadline, that's the one that kind of makes the most sense. But I really just think we should not. Like, <laughs> O'Reilly Armstrong has made the obvious move a few times in his tenure. O'Reilly probably being the prime example of a guy we were heavily linked to that made perfect sense for us that we just went out and got. Uh, Jay Bowmeister is another example of that. So it can happen. Um, but it strikes me as a situation where maybe some prudence and temperance would make a lot of sense here. And I think Doug Armstrong has that. I know the fan base doesn't have it. Um, but this is not a process, even if this re retrench is done quote unquote quickly it's not going to be done by march 3rd so people should probably just take a chill pill and calm down you know mm -hmm. um i agree i think i think those 90s terms chill pill chillax what else do they say in clueless as if as if exactly gag me with a spoon uh -huh uh-huh great top <laughs> top 90s expressions oh no tubular um radical here we go all that in a bag of chips um fat with a ph <laughs> no duh what's the 411 da oh, yeah. bomb I would supplement that with dubbomb.com. Um, let's dip. Uh, jack you up. I don't know what that means. Home skillet. There's a good one. Home skillet. Yada, oh, yeah, yada, yada. Etc. Psych. Psych's a good one. Not. That's another good one. Talk to the hand. Eat my shorts. Okay, well, that's now we're just going to sentence. Now we're just doing sentence. <laughs> you know, don't lay a finger on my butter fingers. That's right. No, you know. Uh, other quotes from that show. Great show. Tele great television. You know, underrated. This is underrated. <laughs> you know, people don't talk about longevity, too. Longevity off the charts. And people never mention it. People know, hardly, hardly ever even talk about it. That's right. That's right. You gotta, you gotta respect uh, a, a TV show that eats up time on ice, you know? This really eats those minutes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we want to talk about anything else before we get out of here? We podcasted twice tonight, folks. You I'm tapped out. I'm sportsed out. And St. Louis City Soccer Talk Labs. Uh, follow follow um, Owl City SC at Owl City SC, the number one um, owl related soccer mm -hmm. Twitter handle in St. Louis. Oh, Jake Musson's out for the rest of the season for the Leafs. That's not ideal. Yeah, not great. Not great, <laughs> Kyle. There's this headline that says Buchnevich and Saad return to the Blues, but it's or two return for Blues. But I thought it said Bruce Davidge is sad to return to the Blues. <laughs> oh. And I was like, Tom, I would be too, buddy. It's okay. I can't blame you. I can't blame yeah. you, Bucci. I am uh, sad. What's it going to uh, be like next year when it's just uh, Buchnevich and Toropchenko there from the motherland? God, who knows? So, so sad. I'm like, hey, Pavel. How was your summer? And he goes, shut, shut up. the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that he just fucking hates Torp <laughs> I really, 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 really think they missed a golden opportunity for some content. I tweeted this, but I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast. The day after the Tarasenko trade, where like Pavel Buchnevich pulls up into like a, you know, a, um, a, I can't even think of the word reserved parking space. You know, it shows shows reserved for uh, NHL All Star Pavel Buchnevich or whatever the appropriate title is. You know, and then it flashes down to his Bentley. You know, and he gets out, 
and he he's in a suit and he looks sharp as hell and he starts walking out of his car and then this beat up like fucking honda civic pulls into the spot next to him and it's fallen to pieces and sammy blake gets out and like cut off blue jeans and like a white beater and Bruce david just looks over and says so, how was your year? And that's the whole thing. Uh, they would never have done it, but I really wanted to see it. <laughs> or Buchnevich, like, throws him the keys and for ballet. And Sammy's like, no, Pavel, I work here now. I used to play here. Oh, that's why I never see you around. God, I got to think it had gotten to that. He goes, we uh, got traded for each other, Pavel. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, yet. I, I don't, I do not recall. Second round I, pick, very valuable. <laughs> you throw in. Oh, uh, lovely. Uh, do we want to, you want to talk about Elimination Chamber, Ian? Um, I do. I enjoyed it immensely i was a little i was a little disappointed at the end i will say that he didn't win or what um not that sammy didn't win because i mean part of me they do such you're mature and you realize that wouldn't have made a ton of sense they do such a great job though they do such a great job i'm always pulled in which is like a testament to them because i knew freaking uh freaking what's his name logan paul whatever paul it is wasn't gonna beat freaking roman reigns that'd be stupid but yeah. there were some but there were moments where i was like holy fuck are they are you serious yeah. oh and yeah then, yeah and then he'd you know he'd get his shoulder up but i'm like damn dude um and so i definitely thought i don't know what he do what was the move they said he did blue thunder and i was like this blue is over yep. and then it wasn't over i do enjoy i like the the haluva kick also which is just oh, yeah. a hell of a kick but <laughs> yeah. distantly which I've always thought was like the dumbest, but also somehow weirdly endearing, you know? That is that is a joke. I didn't know that. I like it even more now. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think it was just that like Kevin Owens came out after and it was like, that's fun, but I'm like, oh, this has nothing to do with like the match anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I was also like, are they gonna... I think it played out better after I saw them talking, uh, Sammy and Kevin Owens on Raw. And it was the whole like, I'm not helping you. I'm just out after the bloodline, like get effed and left. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I kind of like that whole thing. But yeah, in the moment. It's going to be interesting how they resolve that. I think what my, like, I I felt like, um, I felt like Sammy definitely shouldn't have won. Not that, I mean, it just the timing before WrestleMania wouldn't have made sense on top of everything else. Right. But I was a little disturbed. Like, I really thought they were going to go full on, like Jay cost him the match. And that's how they like, jump start into kevin and and sammy being mm-hmm. like chasing the usos but now that they haven't done that as on the nose i'm really interested to see how they tell the story to get to that point where like kevin and sammy can be pure faces against jay when who's like kind of transitioning now also right um or if they're gonna find a way to do it like jimmy uso and solo sakoa versus those two or something but um, I found it interesting that Jay showed up and I was like, oh, and then he, you know, he was, didn't do the chair. I thought he was going to hit Roman with the chair. I'm like, oh, no, Roman's going to get chaired like three times in his history, like real hardcore. <laughs> um, and then they didn't. And then Sammy, you know, went for the spear, that's Roman. It's, uh-huh. it's Jay. And then Jay um, evaporated, I guess. <laughs> that yeah, was the only that thing was, where I was like, that was weird. I'm like, is he around anymore? They're like, no, he's gone. <laughs> like, okay. Um, I always wonder how that works, like being there live. Like, did he roll under the ring? Did he just like army crawl out? Like, you can't just walk off because half the crowds are like, where are you going, buddy? <laughs> but um, I mean, it was good overall. I really liked the, the men's elimination chamber. That was like really, really good. Um, yeah. That was like, exceptional like i thought they all had their moments all six of the guys like it was good the uh the edge beth phoenix stuff was not sloppy. great for me pretty sloppy but i like but I, I i like i love um mommy i will yeah. say it i love mommy she's phenomenal it's great is she gonna beat charlotte flair is charlotte flair gonna oh, like even show yeah. her face 
Oh yeah, I mean she better. If they don't, that's gonna be such a weird decision. Charlotte Flair retains. Has Charlotte Flair been hurt? She or was she's like out most of the year with like injuries and surgeries, I think. Okay. Or maybe just time off. I don't know. I was know. like, man, I haven't seen her forever. Yeah, she'd been gone for a couple of several months, like most of the time since last WrestleMania. Well, that'd be kind of interesting. I'm interested in that. Yeah. It's gonna be good. WrestleMania, big deal. So uh I guess that's it. I guess that's all we got. These bloodthirsty cats are gonna have to wait till next week. That's right. If you made it this far and you haven't yet, go listen to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. You can hear more of us. You can hear Ian's thoughts about San Francisco, San Jose, the San Jose earthquakes and their uniforms. And Salt Lake City. Oh, yes. Ian's thoughts on the bee conspiracy of Salt Lake City. Yeah. So, you know. See what I have to say about Brigham Young. That's right. It's, it's, all, it's all on the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. And with that, let's sign off and not give any more context. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye.